WIAM 101.1 FM, The Way. Current events, personal values, political and social issues, technology, wars, and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. Prophecy is like a soap opera. You can be gone for several weeks and the same things are still happening. America is ready to fight Israel. People keep turning away from the Bible. People keep hating God. Evil men want to keep killing and controlling the masses. And the church continues to fall away. We almost don't need to have a show. Oh, but we do. So let's explore the signs of the times. Our weekly review of Bible prophecy that we find in the world's news for Friday, November 18th, 2022. You can keep up with all your favorite prophecy characters and heartbreaking plot twists when you subscribe to our podcast through Apple, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google. And do you have a prophecy question for Pastor Mark? Then hit us up at thewaymedia.net or download the Waymedia app so you can read the articles from this show and ask Pastor Mark your most pressing prophecy questions. And speaking of questions, Pastor Mark, inquiring minds, that is many of our prophecy peeps, want to know, where'd you go? Yeah. And are you okay? I am okay, yes. I actually went on a kind of a surprise study trip to Israel and, um, and just a, me and one other guy, and we spent about a week over there, a little bit more than that, actually, closer to nine days, just exploring Israel, and it was quite the journey. Quite uh, the ho- journey. Hopefully in a good way. It, oh, yes, okay. no, it was great. It was great. I mean, yeah, it was the first time I've ever gone over without a tour group, so it was a little bit different when you're doing your own doing, car and yes, finding your own oh, way around. Yes, yes. So, yes, there were some challenges, but we had a great time. I learned okay. a lot of new things and getting excited about our, our, uh, tour, tr- our tour group that's coming up here next in May, May in 9th, May. so it was a great trip. Well, good. Yes. Well, a lot of people are asking, hey, is Pastor Mark okay? Is he sick? It's like, no, he's fine. And then you come back from your trip. And I got sick. And then you got sick. <laughs> yeah, no, I've been fine. There's no winning there. Here's the bottom line. I've just had it. Usually, I'm not gone this much is while people were asking but i shared with our fellowship it just fell at an interesting time where there, a lot of things happened all at once where i had to be gone and so i missed a lot of services all at one time you were and teaching course, in a conference you yeah. had a family vacation already yes. pre-planned yes. Just and, then, everything. and then the trip to israel and so yes. it, it, it obviously people think what's going on where's pastor yeah. mark no i'm fine things are going great no issues it's good to be back i'm ready to rock and roll and, and glad to be here today it's gonna be a great show it's gonna be a great show and by the way folks it'll be our last show for the month of november because next week is thanksgiving week and as right. always, at Signs of the Times, we do take that Thursday and Friday off, so there will be no show on Friday. Most people will be busy doing Thanksgiving things, Christmas and shopping, things, shopping, the whatever yes, they're enjoy doing. Enjoy turkey so, and family and Jesus, and thank the Lord a lot. Absolutely. There so in the meantime, we've got articles to discuss. Here we go. All right, let's go to Israel. Yes, I want to go again. <laughs> exactly. Just got back. You just got back. You know, uh, did, by the way, just as a quick side note, yes. uh, did you happen to take any videos? 
No, it didn't work out to where we could do that. But, okay. But I, that's okay. okay. I mean, I, I'm sorry I couldn't. Maybe we can okay. on the next trip. Okay. Yeah. That was inside question. Yes. Okay. Uh, the Times of Israel is reporting that a U.S. envoy is saying that the White House will fight any Israeli West Bank annexation efforts. Yeah, and this, again, Greg, comes with the same theme that we always go with about just the opposition to Israel. You know, again, we talk about America being their friend in the past, and, and their friend, still many of us are friends of Israel now, but our our current leadership is not so friendly to Israel, and it's that same spirit of fighting against Israel. Satan always fights against Israel, and, and, and people that don't know the Lord, they fight against Israel or have oftentimes ill feelings about Jews or about Israel, and they don't even know why. This, again, whenever I see it, it concerns me in a couple of reasons. It's the spirit, I think, of Satan you see with us trying to fight against Israel and them having the land that God has given them and secondly you know it's it's uh it's also genesis 12 3 and that is you know I'll bless those who bless you curse those who curse you yeah. and so it doesn't bless our nation um but again the u.s ambassador tom nides warned in interviews that the white house would push back against any attempts by the expected incoming israeli government that is netanyahu by the way he got reelected again while i was over there i don't think that had anything to do with it but i hope that it did oh yeah well that would be <laughs> wonderful was that one of the stories earlier that you talked about that we we left out. No, it wasn't. Okay. But again, we should mention that he got reelected. He got reelected. And he's putting a government together, and so that's an exciting thing. Well, obviously, already people are pushing against him here because they know that he is very pro-Israel and pro-development of the land. So they're saying we're going to fight against you to annex any parts of what they call the West Bank. The bottom line is. All of it is is Israel's. God gave it to Israel. It's none of our business. We need to keep our nose and our fingers and our thoughts out of it. And um, and so when we're fighting against this, we're fighting against God. And the quote goes on. Our position is quite clear. Well, let me let me tell you, God's is too. Well, let me read your, his quote. We do not support annexation. We will we will fight any attempt to do so. I would say that you know God doesn't support annexation either. The land belongs to Israel. Nobody should try to annex it to make it theirs. Right. It's already Israel. It's already Israel's. Yeah. Uh, he says we'll fight any attempt to do so. Well, what you're saying is, uh, Mr. Nigel you're fighting God. Nods told the Cannes Public Broadcaster diplomatic correspondent Gilly Cohen in an interview aired Thursday, adding that most of the Arab countries feel the same way. Well, of course they do. And again, (laughs) anybody that opposes Israel feels that way. We have to realize... God has given them the land. It is theirs. We need to keep our, our hands off of it. And, and we only bring consequences on ourselves. You know, Greg, it's interesting. So we see that article. I have to bring up something kind of funny. We're on the plane going to Israel. We're coming back. I forget. It's full of all the, the Jews, I believe, coming back maybe. And... um as you know, Cohen, Gilly Cohen, it's a very common name. It's a very common Jewish name. Cohen is. And we're on the flight, and the flight is full. And somebody up front makes an announcement. Is there a Cohen on board? Do we have a Cohen on board? And everybody kind of looks at us and starts laughing. He's like, half the plane's Cohen. But anyway. That is funny. Yeah, that's, that's like asking if there's, you know, if you're flying out of Saudi Arabia, if, if anybody's named Mohammed that's on the plane. Yes. I mean, it's a very common name in that area. So it was funny, but that's a side note. But yeah, uh, the bottom line is, is that you see this push. Greg, by our own country and, and the spirit of, of Satan trying to fight against God from giving Israel back their land. They know that Netanyahu is, is, is leaning more toward getting Israel back their land. So the fight begins again. Yeah. And it continues. It does. And it will continue. Uh, you know, and you mentioned something earlier about, you know, people fighting against Israel and whatnot. <clears throat> you know, I, I remember, you know, as an unbeliever being agitated about some of the things of the Lord. And then you give your life to the Lord, and you look back on those things, and you're no longer agitated by those things. You understand those things. You comprehend those things. Or your position on those things is completely reversed. That's right. And it reminds me again of 1 John 5, 19, those that are, un, those that are not in Christ Jesus, uh, basically I'm paraphrasing, are under the sway of the enemy. That's what that verse says. Right. And so you don't even realize that, that Satan is pushing people's buttons. 
and they've got this anger or hatred towards a people group or towards maybe like, uh, I think we should be able to kill babies in the womb. Yeah. Murder yeah. babies in the womb. Right. And they, they fight for it, and, and they, they, they hate anything that pushes against it. Yeah. They don't realize really where that comes from. That's right. That's right. It's a stronger power than them, and you named it right there. Yeah. They're under the sway of the evil one, yeah. First John. And, you know, when that power's over you, you think you're free, but you're really not free. And that's just an evidence. When you get saved, yes. you can look back and go, I was absolutely controlled by that, because I don't even know why I made that stand. It exactly. didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. Exactly. Yep. That's right. That's yes. right. All right, uh, let's uh, come back here to America. And let's look at Christian headlines that tells us from a new survey that fewer Americans take their traditional moral values from biblical principles. Yeah, no surprise here. No surprise there. Yeah, a new survey by the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian found that fewer people are taking their traditional moral values from biblical principles. I'll come back to that. The America's Values Study found that 71% of American adults claim to support traditional moral values today, including integrity, justice, kindness, non-discrimination, trustworthiness, etc. However, less than half of adults who hold to those values consider biblical morality a core value. Another finding is that 42% of Americans say that what you feel in your heart is an absolute moral guide to life instead of the Bible. Among those who rely on their feelings are 53% of people with no religious affiliation who say that their emotions are the arbitrator of right and wrong. How sad that is. 51% whose core values are happiness, comfort, and equality, and half are self-identified as LGBTQ adults. Now, several things to unwind here. Number one, Greg, notice it says that uh, 53% say they're guided, or 42% say about what you feel in your heart is really your moral guide. And that just shows you, first of all, the problem here is people aren't, they don't know the Bible and they're not believing it. That's the main issue of, of what's happening in this article. But this just accentuates it because... The Bible clearly says that you're not to trust your heart. Right. I mean, one of the main biblical principles is your heart is a liar. It's a liar. It can't be trusted. Uh, is that Jeremiah's Jeremiah, the heart, 17, is, de- 9, yes, the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? So understand, if you're trusting your heart, you're trusting in, in something that's going to lie to you on a regular basis and deceive you. And especially when you're following your emotions, Greg, because... Your emotions tell you to do things that, that what, what you feel is oftentimes wrong, very, very wrong. Mm-hmm. So, so first of all, this whole group of people, almost half of Americans, who are using that as their moral guide, they're going to be greatly deceived, um, which is an issue. But now, that's just part of it. The other thing here, when it talks about their traditional moral values, this is something I go back to years ago. When I would hear people talk about traditional values or I put my values or my morals or my this or my that on stuff, um, you know, and I would always hear them say that and go, wait a minute, guys, you can talk about your values. But the bottom line is, is that you say you have value. What are your values based on? If your values aren't based on, um, you know, the Bible, then the values don't matter. So um, either way. Either way, um, <laughs> sorry about that. That's okay. Everybody was listening to you. Yes. I should have told you sooner. But that's all right. That's all right. Um, but anyway, the bottom line is, is you know, Greg, you, we've heard people for years talk about, you know, well, what are your values? Live by your values. The problem with that is, if your values aren't based on the Bible, they're just arbitrary values that have no value to heaven. Right. So you might have a value that you think, well, I believe that one man and one woman should be married. Uh, somebody else has a value. I believe that a man can marry a man. You see, you got two different values going. So if it's based on your values and your feelings, 
how do you know what's right and wrong? We have to go back to the Bible, and the Bible says one man, one woman, uh, male and female. So now you know what the true value is, the value before God. So when I read this about fewer Americans taking their values from the Bible, it doesn't surprise me. I saw this coming a long, long time ago, and uh, and so it's sad to see this, but what it what it indicates and shows me is we're only going to see a nation that is more and more deceived as time goes on. Yeah. Because the more people follow their heart, the more deceived they're going to be. Uh, you know, when it said 53% of people with no religious affiliation say that their emotions is the arbiter of right and wrong. Pastor yes. Mark, does this remind you of the time of the judges? Well, yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. Of course, it says in Judges that I mean, people everyone are doing did, what's right in their own heart, right? Well, their own or, eyes, uh, their yeah, own which, eyes, which yeah. is their heart. Yes. They were doing what was right in their own eyes, which is their own heart. It's exactly what it says in Judges because, again, there was no king. There was no nobody ruling over them, leading them to the word of God. And so everybody was doing what was right in their own eyes. And whenever you do that... Again, it leads to a, a society like they had in Judges that was totally corrupt. So, again, this is concerning. I knew this was there, but yeah. to see it in print, it makes it that much more real. And can we also tie in another book, and that is Genesis, because Jesus said that it will be like the the days of Noah. Yeah. And so, would the days of Noah not also mirror the days of Judges in that People were doing what was right in their own eyes. Yeah, absolutely, but even magnified, all, magnified the all the more. Yeah, you're right, Greg, because again, really, there's no standard. Right. See, the problem is with following your feelings and following what your moral values are is you're coming up with a standard from a fallen nature. The only standard we can come up with apart from God is with a fallen nature nature because mm-hmm. we're fallen. So whatever standard I set apart from God's standard is going to be flawed from day one. It's, it's a fallen nature. So I'm taking my fallen nature and saying, here's what I feel. Here's what I believe. Well, it's already wrong before I start deciding what I feel and what I believe. So the only basis we have is to go back to God and say, what does the Word say? What does God say? Because He's the one that's not fallen. The days of Noah are going to be the same, but way worse. Everybody's going to do what's right in their own eyes. There'll be no standard of right and wrong because the Christians will be gone. The Bible will be totally ignored, except for those that get saved after the rapture, and they won't have an impact on the society. So it's going to be a mess. But yes, it'll be very similar to that. Yeah, so we're we're beginning to see the fruit of that uh, repeating itself. Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. All right. So appropriate. Every time I hear we, well, it, well, it never gets old, Greg. You know, it never it does. Never gets it old. never does. And I, I don't I do not do it every time when we have one more government it. news. I love it. But, but in this case, yes. it's appropriate. Yeah, you're not kidding. Uh, this is from, and I don't even know, I've never seen this website before. I hope you vetted it. Uh, I have no, I, I have no reason to believe that it's not true. Yeah. Just based on previous reports yes. that we've made about the World Economic Forum. Yes. So this is no Q or knockreport.com. Klaus Schwab's right-hand man calls for quote-unquote mass extinction event yes. to usher in the Great Reset. Yes, and Knock Report was new to me as well. I did do some research, okay. and I found out that the quotes that he used are accurate, and that's why I left it in here. That's so I, fine. This is what I do know. What he quotes in here from Yuval Harari, I went and saw the videos. So this is not this is accurate, if you will, Yes. Uh, as far as that, re, that, that particular site. Um, but either way, again, Klaus Schwab, as you guys know, is the leader of the World Economic Forum. He just came out this week when they had the, uh, the G20 meeting yeah. and talked about the fact that, uh, that we have to speed up this whole new world order even more he's pushing really hard he's a wannabe antichrist yeah but what's happening is greg they're now saying the quiet things out loud and they're saying mm. the more they speak and the more they're in front of cameras they're letting things leak and this yuval harari this guy has no limits he just lets it flow yeah but i don't think anyone's listening 
Well, it, I think it's so shocking and so open that you don't pay attention to it. I think if it was like it was secret in a room and somebody recorded him and put it online, everybody would listen because everybody wants to hear a secret. But when you walk in front of the cameras and go, you know what? We really think that most of the world needs to be exterminated. Then, yes, that's shocking. But it's just I know that sounds weird, but it's not as shocking. Let me read some of yeah. this and just tell you what, what I have seen this man say. And by the way, <laughs> Yuval Harari is the right hand man of Klaus Schwab. Uh, they all say that he's the prophet of their age, whatever. Uh, and, the false and so prophet to the Antichrist. They love this guy. Yeah. He says another leaked video. And again, I don't think it's leaked. I mean, he's putting it out there. This is out in the open has emerged to show that the World Economic Forum, led by the infamous globalist kingpin Klaus Schwab, who that's, that theme song goes perfect with, uh, he's like the perfect villain for any movie. You could not pick a better villain. I know I said that numerous times. Well, you know but, that one picture that we saw of him in that robe? Yes. That was, yeah, I mean, yeah. it was... I, what do you say? You would, you would literally think it was a th- it was a scene out of Star Wars. You could hire him, Greg, to do the bad guy of a movie and say, "Klaus, just be yourself." Yes, and it would work perfect. They would go, "Oh, this guy's evil," you know. But yes. when you see him, the world like forums like, "Oh, he's a nice guy." Well, anyway, he's planning to unleash mass genocide as a catalyst for its promised great reset. This comes from Yuval Noah Harari. This is that Jewish professor um, that is very openly antichrist and and anti man, uh, who's described as Schwab's right hand man. Uh, Swab's right-hand man, is on the promotional tour right now, shilling a new book he allegedly wrote. The manuscripts ask questions like, why do we need so many humans? Or, or what do we need so many humans for? This is also sky- there's skyrocketing inflation, supply chain failures, food shortages, crop destruction, and other economic instability. In that all were things, all man-made. Yes, that are all things that are swirling into a perfect storm of global shock and awe, okay, is what they're saying. Referring to a non-globalist, that would be uh, those of us who don't think the world should be a one-world government, as common people. And let me stop for a moment. Yes, you know what the Bible says? The common people heard Jesus gladly. It was the common people that he came <laughs> yes. for. There is a battle against the common people, those that take Jesus gladly, those that hear him gladly. These are those that reject Jesus Christ. So it doesn't surprise yeah. me. He would say the non-globalists or the common people are fully disposable, he said. Harari's latest statements reveal a profound attitude of self-perceived superiority and globalist supremacy. Harari says that common folks below below him are right to be fearful about the future because their lives could end at any moment and it would not be at any great loss he says because non-globalists are redundant and i quote we just don't need the vast majority of you uh says the globalist says this globalist in a future run by smart people and he's calling himself the smart people and all the world economic forum people harari went on to state common people will naturally face increased feelings of anxiety and fear about being left behind isn't that interesting Mm. because they're the ones going to be left behind the common people will go in the rapture of the church. They're, those that are so arrogant and prideful, Greg, thinking that we should be afraid, they're the ones that are going to be cowering in fear before God when he comes back in power and might as they stand in judgment before God. Satan is exactly the reverse of God. He has those that are on his side deceived into believing that. And this Yuval Harari, guys, is right in lockstep with all of it. Now, we don't believe that Yuval Noah Harari is the false prophet that the Bible talks about, nor do we believe no. that Klaus Schwab is the Antichrist no. that the Bible talks about I, I don't. based on... What we know of both of those characters that the Bible tells us. Yeah, to me, they don't fit the bill. However, what comes out of their mouths, is this not the spirit of Antichrist? absolutely the voice of Satan. It's the spirit of Antichrist, Greg. And, you know, the the Bible talks about the spirit of Antichrist will be greatly at work even before the Antichrist arrives. And, and, you know, when they talk about taking lives, they want to reduce the Earth's population uh, some say to a billion. Some have gone down as low as 500 million. Uh, we've got 8 billion people on the planet. I mean, th- there's no way to do that without some type of mass extinction events unless they plan on doing it over such an extended period of time. 
But they don't come out and say that. They just say the number they want to get to, and then they say, that, you know what, we don't need a lot of you guys. You shouldn't really be here. And now Canada, and that was the, the big thing that I, I talked about. Oh, okay. Yeah. You, now it comes but it to comes mind. right into this, though. Canada's now saying that they're, they're legalizing euthanasia. If you just feel like your life's not worthy, you can apply to be put to death, and the government will put you to death. Wow. And they're, they're fighting to let children do it without parental consent. Wow. Greg, this is evil. That's now, evil. Now, remember what it yeah. says. What, remember what Jesus said about Satan. Jesus said, I've come to give life and life more abundant. He said, but the evil one has come to kill, steal, and destroy. His desire is to kill as much of mankind as he can. And why would he want to do that? Not just because he's a murderer, but Greg, the faster and quicker he can kill mankind, the less time they have to ask forgiveness of their sins and receive eternal salvation. So he can drag more people down to hell with him by killing more. So now he goes to our children who are vulnerable. They're weak. They're they're not mentally stable yet. They've got hard grow up problems. I'd rather die than live. My girlfriend left me. And you know what? If you apply, I can do it. And now we'll put you to death. I mean, it is pathetic. It is evil. It is wicked. And it's happening right now in Canada. And I'm telling you, it's going to come to America. Yeah. Well, and when you see uh, the governing control in Canada, when you see Prime Minister Trudeau in Canada, he is a disciple of Klaus Schwab. Oh, he is one of his students. He's one of his students. And so is California Governor Gavin Newsom. That's right. So uh, what I would watch for is I would watch for California to follow suit with what Canada yeah. is pushing, they always because, lead the way because they're all of the same, and they're taking the same direction. You're right. You're right, Greg. You're exactly right. It's, it's so predictable, but it's, unless there's revival, uh, we're on that path. Yeah. And, and to me, this is so hideous because how many people have a horrible moment in their life where they say, "I no longer want to live." Look at Job in the Bible. Right. I no longer want to live. Uh, Moses said, "Lord, just kill me if it's going to be this way." Elijah, "Lord, just kill me." And you know what? They got through that moment. And God used them in great ways, blessed them greatly, and they were, and it was a part of God's plan of their growth in the Lord. Satan wants to take advantage of those weak moments and kill people, and it is evil, and it's demonic, and it's Satan. And then we fast forward in time prophetically in the timeline, Pastor Mark, and there's going to come a time in the future. The Bible says that when men will desire to kill themselves, yeah. because of God's judgment right. that's raining upon the earth, and I think it what for is it for five months? Yes, five months after being uh, stung by these spiritual scorpions or this demonic thing. That's they will happen. want to kill themselves, yeah. and they can't. Yeah, I just think that it's just it's just interesting. Yeah, I, I know. I, I mean, again, it, this is uh, it's so demonic. I can't believe Greg that's even being entertained in any nation in any people that we've gone so far. What we're saying is it, it really goes back to abortion. Once you start yes. devaluing life and just yes. killing people yes. in the womb, killing babies, yeah, then. Everything goes. It's just a matter of time. Well, the the latest the latest verbiage out of the abortion camp is that oh, that's not a heartbeat, that's an electrical signal. Yeah, yeah. Of course, they have to come up with ridiculous excuses to continue to right. murder. Just outright denying. Yeah. But God, God is so far ahead of all of them, Greg. Yes. Because remember what God said to Jeremiah before there was even an electrical, whatever you want to call yes, it. Yes, I, I knew, knew you. you. Yeah. yeah. So even if they want to claim that, which is a lie, then God says, no, I, I'm sorry, before your mom and dad even met, I knew who you were and I was cr- creating you. I, I had you planned. And so it's still murder. Yeah. And so they can't get out of it. And when they stand before God, the only electrical impulse they're going to feel is the voice of his judgment condemning yeah. them unless they repent. Yeah. And I don't say that with glee. No. I'm just saying that as a warning. Yeah. Now, we don't know how successful Harari and Schwab are going to be with this conquest. Uh, 
However, we know that that drumbeat is going to only get louder and more persistent as time goes on. But we have to remember that God is still in control. That's right. Satan still has to get permission. That's right. To do whatever he's wanting to do. That's right. That's right. God controls all of it. Ultimately, we know that. And so, you know, but we see Satan really pushing hard. Again, you see the battle raging, but we know who wins. And all the more reason that that should be a good barometer for us, should it not, Pastor Mark, that how close we are? I just think there's so many barometers of how close I know. we are. I mean, I know I what know. you're saying that, but Greg, I just think it's yelling at us everywhere. If yeah. we're not awake, then we it's time to wake up. What's it going to take is what I wonder. If we're not yeah. awake now, yeah. what's it going to take? Yeah. I don't want to find out. Me either. Yeah. All right, let's talk about some growing anti-Semitism. Uh, this is from People.com. Uh, this is comedian Dave Chappelle's Saturday, Saturday Night Live monologue elicits a backlash from the Anti-Defamation League. Yeah, there's been kind of this kind of more open attack against the Jews now, again, with uh, Kanye West and now Ch- Chappelle doing this. Yeah. Uh, it's it's getting, you know, we already talked about the attacking against the Jews in the last days. That Satan's going to turn the heat up against them because they're God's chosen people. He's got a plan for them in the last days. We're going to see more and more hatred, um, unwarranted. But the, um, now, this has been on TV, this is more yeah. of a you know in your face media Saturday Night Live. Position yeah, we're here. talking. Yeah, yeah, it's a 15 minute opening monologue on Saturday Night Live this weekend is being criticized for perpetuating anti semitism, included including by the national director of the Anti Defamation League, Jonathan Greenblatt, the head of the Jewish Civil Rights Organization, shared his thoughts via Twitter on Sunday about the monologue during which Chappelle wrote about Kanye West's anti semitic comments. And I, and I quote: "We shouldn't expect Dave Chappelle to serve as society's moral compass, but." It's disturbing to see Saturday Night Live not just normalize, but popularize anti-Semitism, he wrote. Why are Jewish sensitivities denied or diminished at almost every turn? And why does our trauma trigger applause? Great question. Yes, we'll come back to it. I'll let you address that. Others joined in, in to express concern and share their analysis of Chappelle's monologue. Influencer Rabbi Josh Uter wrote, the key point of the monologue was that there are double standards regarding who can say what about whom. Now, Greg, you made a good observation about his question. First of all, we see, here's the main point of this. Sign of the time is the open anti-Semitism. That's what started happening in Germany now. Before they really started attacking in Germany, the Jews really bad. It started getting more open and more free, and then it happened. Same thing happened in Rome. It started attacking the Jews more free during the days of Rome. Then the attacks came more. So you see that same pattern of Satan. It just yeah. He starts being more open about it. People get used to it, and then they start yeah. taking action on it. But there's something else you brought out as far as the observation of this Jewish Defamation League uh, leader. Well, that he's, he's asking a question that the Bible has an answer for, and yeah. that is the Bible tells us in Zechariah that... Israel is going to become a stumbling stone for all the nations, that that the hatred of the Jews is a supernatural thing. That's why uh, Aliyah is happening, which yes. is the Jewish homecoming. Yes. That's why people are abandoning generations of their homeland in other countries and leaving everything they know behind and moving to Israel. That is a supernatural move. Yeah. It's coming through the persecution. We saw it in World War II, uh, where that, that, that really brought about the fulfillment of prophecy when God said, when I bring you back into the land, you will never be removed from That's it. That's right. And so those prophecies, I think in Joel and Amos or yes. whatever, they were fulfilled through the atrocities, yeah. unbelievably, of World War II. That's right. So now we're seeing that push again. We're seeing the world again contracting, in a sense, in terms of its hatred 
for the Jews. Yeah. Because God says, I'm going to bring you back into the land, and there's going to be a complete, more complete fulfillment. I think in this time, though, he's bringing them back in the land, correct me if I'm wrong, Pastor Mark, for uh, for his judgment of his people. He's he's got he's got seven more years to deal with the nation of Israel that he's promised because they were That's a stiff necked right. people. Right. So their punishment is coming, their chastisement is coming. Yeah, and it's gonna be for good and bad. The good is yes. remember he's gonna pour his spirit out and many of them will yes. be saved. Yes. So he'll give an opportunity for all for all, but there'll still be the chastisement with the rest of the world for those who don't. Yeah. Um but yeah, Greg, I, and you bring up a good point. That I've, that I've, you've seen God do historically, and I think what God is doing in the last days and will do, and that is God is using the turning up of the heat on the Jews, whether it be in countries that are really rough, like Russia, Iran, right. whatever, or Syria, yeah. even to countries like America, where they've been very, very favored. He's turning the heat up to push them back because God has to finish his plan to gather them back, get the family together, yeah. and now deal with the family. So he's pushing them back, and there's going to be more and more going. And another point to bring up, too, Pastor Mark, and this has to do with Kanye West, because Kanye has supposedly declared himself in some form or fashion at some point in time here within the last few years to be a Christian. Right, right. What I think is interesting is that we're going to see, I think, more of that, and I think this has to do with Church apostasy, yeah. where you've got uh, people that are preterists and maybe others uh, that believe that God is done with the nation of Israel. Right. So really, the hatred that we feel towards the Jews is really almost justified right. because of our theological position that God's done, because they don't understand God's word, they don't understand how what, what God's word is saying, how it's interpreted. Right. The Bible says scripture interprets scripture. It Prophecies are not left up to the private interpretation of man. Yeah, and the problem is, is when we listen to people rather than the Bible. Yeah. You know, Greg, if you get involved in a group that has a theology that says God is done with Israel, it's very easy to attack the Jews and Israel. Matter of fact, you can almost justify, as you said, being angry at them and blaming them for killing the Messiah. Yeah. But the reality is, if you take the Bible literally as your standard, the Bible says Jesus willingly died and went to the cross on his own to pay for the sins of the world. So the Jews had nothing to do with it. They were simply a tool that was used yeah. along with Rome at the time to, to pay to, so Jesus could go to the cross. So, but the danger and what, what has apparently happened to Kanye, look, it, I don't know about where Kanye, whether it's real or not. I'll just say this. Um, you can be saved and still be anti-Semitic. It's, 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 it shouldn't be that way because you should have a love for the Jews. It's something God will naturally do by his spirit. But if you get lumped into the wrong group, Greg, that teaches that they are to blame, you can still be saved and be deceived and actually dislike the Jews and be saved. I think that's possible, and here's why I say that. Martin Luther was a very strong anti-Semite. He hated the Jews, and he was very vocal about his hatred of the Jews. And yet the fruit in Martin Luther's life um, it's pretty evident that he knew God. So it's, it's, I think it can happen. Uh, it's sad when it does. And I think the only way that it happens is when you have someone that's pulled into a group where they absorb man's theology over God's theology. And then once they buy into it, it's kind of hard to, 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 for them to see the light and win them back over. And I'm certainly, I certainly don't want to justify anything that Martin Luther did with regard to his hatred for the Jews. But do you feel like in Martin Luther's situation, that's more of an anomaly or an exception to yes. the rule? Yes. That, that, that God, that, I mean, that somehow he somehow prospered and God used him in a fruitful way, even though he had this hatred in his heart. But isn't the wholesale hatred of the Jews that would come from the Christian community be more indicative of 
apostasy yes. than yeah. it would be anything else? Yes, and I, I wasn't trying to say No, that, I'm just I'm just asking that question. That the answer to that's yes. Yeah. But I want to clarify, I wasn't trying to say that it that we should expect people that know the Lord to be anti Semitic. Okay. What I'm saying is is that it's possible and I believe in rare cases, like Martin Luther, maybe Kanye knows the Lord and he's been taken in by the wrong people. But yeah. the reality is it's possible, it's rare, uh, and it shouldn't be that way. Uh, the Bible says we're to love the Jewish people, we're to love Israel, even though they're they're not lovable right now and, and they're they have their future to be born again and saved um but you know it, it it doesn't necessarily mean that he's an unbeliever by standing in this position but he's certainly wrong and in sin before god yeah. and certainly dave Chappelle or anyone else is look and let me just let me say this as well we're, we're not claiming that jews don't make mistakes or that jews or israel are always perfect matter of fact they they're like anybody else they're sinners they have a fallen nature god calls them a stiff-necked people and i'll say this as a nation today they are a stiff-necked people they reject their messiah uh, they're not pleasing unto the Lord, and so there's, there's nothing about them that's likable in God's eyes right now. So we don't we don't f- favor them because of that. It's because prophetically God says, "I have a future for them." They are many of them are future family in the kingdom. Uh, if you'll bless them, I'll bless you. As I try to bring them back to myself, I want you to be a part of reaching them, trying to bring them back, and and so I'll bless you if you do that. So again, that's why we honor Israel, not because they're honor worthy, right. but because God honors them. Well, and doesn't Paul also tell us in Romans too that he reveals something to the people that want to get haughty about the Jews to remember if it wasn't for their stiff neckness, yeah. if that's a word, <laughs> that God opened the door. For the Gentile, that's right, to receive Jesus that's because right. Jesus had been rejected by the Jews, right, right. And he even goes on to say, he says, you know what? Don't be haughty because you know what? Even as they were cut off, hey Gentiles, God will cut you off too. So you need to take your brothers in, and we're all one tree. Yeah. And they're the root system. We've been grafted in, and so we need to say, you know what? Right now, this tree, the, the root system, the Jews are in rebellion. They've rejected their God, but God is going to revive that tree. Yeah. He's going to bring that stump back to life, and he says, your branches on it. You better honor them so that the branches are honoring the root because you supply each other, and that's kind of the idea behind and doesn't that. doesn't the Bible also indicate that their eyes have been blinded? You know, just as the disciples were blinded to some of the things that Jesus was saying and and, and wasn't revealed to them until after his 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 uh, resurrection, right, and ascent to heaven. That's like, oh yeah, he said this. Oh yeah, he said that. And now it finally clicked. Now it finally made sense. Isn't the same true for the Jew today? That that God has temporarily blinded them during yeah. this time. Yeah. yeah, that's what the Bible says. He says there's a temporary there's a blindness in part uh, because of their rejection of their Messiah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's called. What did they call that? Oh, Israel in the spirit of slumber. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So it's a spirit of slumber right now. There's a veil over their eyes, and that veil's only removed in Christ, and God's going to pour his spirit out soon and do that. Amen. Yeah. You are listening to Signs of the Times. It's our weekly review of Bible prophecy that we find in the world's news for Friday, November 18th, 2022. Whether you're uh, listening live, online, on the air, or later on through any of our podcast source, thanks for being with us. And with all of us being gone for a few weeks, we've got lots of listener questions. All right, Pastor Mark, our first question comes from Beverly, and she's got a question about revival. She says, what are your thoughts about the possibility of a huge revival before the rapture? I know the U.S. isn't mentioned in Revelation, but so many people seem to think our country can be, quote-unquote, great again. Yeah, well, and you know what? I sure hope so, Beverly. Is it possible? Let me answer that. Yes, all things are possible with God. So the answer is, is it possible? Yes. But to give a little bit more uh, detail to that, 
the Bible just doesn't make it clear. It doesn't. We, we do know this. We do know there will be a falling away in the last days that we can say, but it doesn't mean that there can't be a revival before that falling away. So yes, there could be some type of revival, but also I want to remind you as much as we love our country and want our country to be great and to be leader in the world and all this for, for God and for other things. Remember God's ultimate goal is not that America is great. God's ultimate goal is that people come to Jesus Christ. And I know you know that, um, but so God's more concerned about how do I make, um, you know, Jesus great in the eyes of the world so that people get saved. And if God uses our nation to be a part of that, that's a blessing, but that's not really God's ultimate goal. His ultimate goal is making Jesus great. Um, and so I hope there's a revival and I sure pray for revival. I've encouraged you, Beverly, and everybody that's listening out there, pray for revival, but it just doesn't tell us what revivals are going to be and when they're going to be and how it's going to be for sure. So we don't know. Yeah. All right, Pastor Mark, our next question comes from Stacy. She says, lots of chatter about UFOs and aliens lately. What is the biblical view to take regarding this issue? Yeah, again, I'll sum this up the best I can. We've covered this before, and we might even have a question on this on our website. I don't know an answer there, but I, I'll look. I, if we don't, I'll do one for us. But yep. yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I do believe that some of the phenomenon that we're seeing is real. But I do not believe that it's aliens from other planets. And let me explain. Some of the stuff is is too real not to be real. Something's going on. I think that's pretty clear, even the stuff the government's released lately. And I think Satan's going to use it as a deception in the last days. But I believe that it is demonic. I believe it's a deception. I believe it's fallen angels that are revealing themselves, and God's allowing them to do that, to deceive people. I will make one other comment about it. It's interesting, when you read about the cherubim, we know that Satan is a fallen cherub. The cherubim around the throne, um, um, connected to each of them, is a saucer, if you will. Uh, it, it calls it a wheel within a wheel. We would call that a saucer. And so um, I do believe that it could very well be a manifestation of the revealing and actually just the appearing of some of these fallen cherubs. And you're seeing that wheel within a wheel that looks like a saucer. And now you're getting the UFO stuff. But I don't believe that it's aliens or people from other planets because Jesus only died, the Bible says, for the sins of this world. And since the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that would mean that if there are any other creatures on any other planets, then they would have no opportunity for salvation because no one died for their sin. Therefore, I don't believe there's anyone on any other planet. I think this is the only planet with humans or any beings like us. Otherwise, Jesus would have died for the world's plural and not for the world singular. And also, too, doesn't the Bible describe the movement of the cherubim? Yeah, with the wheel very, within a wheel, very very ninety degree angle type movements. Yes, very. Which isn't that interesting, considering how many reports we've had over yeah. the years of UFOs, and it's like this thing was streaking through the sky, and then it stopped, and then completely went in a different direction. Always, you hear that? Always. That's exactly how cherub move. From now, I'm not saying they can't yeah, move another they, way. Yeah, exactly. But when you see Ezekiel chapter one, and you read about the the cherub move, they move in ninety degree angles. Boom, 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 and they have a saucer connected to them. Yeah. I find that very intriguing. Yeah. All right, Pastor Mark, uh, Arvidas uh, has a question regarding amillennial viewpoints in today's time. He says, I have a question regarding the amillennial viewpoint versus the pre-trib viewpoint and the direction the world is heading. As you know, all millennialism believes that as believers, we have the responsibility as the church to essentially usher in the kingdom of God on earth. And the idea of waiting for Jesus to come and take the church is foolish, as they believe that because Satan is bound due to being already in the millennium, that the world will be getting better in a sense until Satan is released and will wreak havoc. Obviously, one could see the world and know that things are not getting better. 
I have a bunch of all-millennial friends, and I wonder, how can I better explain to them that Satan is currently reaping havoc with the signs we are seeing in our life currently? Well, I just think you need to have them, the, the very scripture they're trying to use to justify themselves, um, where Satan's bound. I mean, very obviously, if, if what they believe is true, Satan is not bound. I mean, there's no way. Again, they, they said that Satan's bound and we're in the millennial kingdom. I want to read this, Greg. Revelation 20, verse 2 says that he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. The word bound there means to wrap up or put in chains. It means unable to do anything, basically is what it means. And I like the way Pastor Chuck used to say it. Look, if Satan is currently bound, he has an awfully long chain. <laughs> yes. um, because there are so many very obvious satanic things going on worldwide. It is very clear that Satan is not bound. So the amillennial view is proven incorrect yeah. by reality. You know, it's, it's, and I want to encourage you when you talk to them, uh, your friends about this. One of the things you might say is, guys, look, let's look at reality. Um, if your reality doesn't line up with your theology, your theology is wrong. I mean, if, if you look at theology and you say, I believe the world's going to get better and better and better and better, and finally Jesus will come back, which is what the all-millennial view teaches. Well, look around. Is the world getting better and better and better or not? And the kingdom now teaches that. All-millennial says Satan's bound, so they kind of work together. All-millennial, really, the kingdom now is the one that says it's going to get better and better and better, ushering, in, uh, ushering him in. All-millennial says that Satan is bound. The reality is he's not. And I would say, look at reality, look at the Bible, and if it doesn't line up, your theology is wrong. What do they do with the scripture that talks about the uh, the earth and the heavens being consumed with fire and being <sighs> being disintegrated, essentially, and God creating a new heaven and a new earth? If their theology is saying we're to get better and better and better, then why would God destroy that? Well, herein lies the problem with the all-millennial viewpoint. They don't take the Bible literally. So it's allegorical. Yes, okay. yes. So the thing, they write all that off. But here's the thing. So if you gotta just tell your friends, look, if you really believe Satan is bound, how long is his chain? And if you don't see Satan working, if you can't tell that he's not bound, what, what, what to you would be Satan free? If, if Satan's not free in the world today, then what would that look like? And what, what time in world history has looked worse? I mean, you could pick certain periods, but if you say, well, then Hitler, but yeah, but it got really a lot better after Hitler. So, I mean, yeah. you know, it gets good, gets bad, gets good, gets bad. Uh, Satan is very much at work. And so the reality is it, Satan is bound. That means he's not going to be able to influence the world. He's very clearly influencing the world, which really, uh, to me, completely dissolves the whole amillennial view. And and if they don't receive that, they don't receive it. But the, the bottom line is that's what the Bible says. Pastor Mark Veronica asks uh, about observing the Sabbath in the Lord's Feast. She says, I'm wondering why most Christian churches today don't honor the Sabbath and have services on Saturday. Instead, the mainstream Christian church have their day of worship on Sundays, which is not the day of rest as instituted by God himself. On that same note, why are most Christians not being taught on Sundays to honor the Lord's Day of Rest and His Feasts? Yeah, again, good question. I think a lot of people wonder about this and why we don't see the church involved in the Sabbath that much. I think it's just really a misunderstanding, uh, Veronica, about what the Bible says about the Sabbath. So let's take just a minute to talk about this. First of all, what you've got to realize is the Sabbath was never given to the church. There's no place in Scripture that says the Sabbath was given to the church. The Sabbath was given to the Jews as a sign between God and the Jewish nation. Let me give you just one verse, and it's it's more you can find this in other places in Scripture. But listen to what God says in Exodus thirty one thirteen. He says, Speak also to the children of Israel. Notice how specific he is. Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you 
throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Therefore, keep the Sabbath, etc. Now, so the point is, God made the Sabbath a sign between him and the nation of Israel so they would keep him holy and it would help keep them on the focus they needed to be on and and never was given to the church. That's why when you don't find anything about the Sabbath command in the New Testament. It's interesting. When you go to the New Testament, you find all nine of the Ten Commandments. What you don't find is the Sabbath command. Why? Because Paul goes on to tell us in the New Testament that Jesus is the believer's Sabbath. In other words, he is our rest. And when we give our life to Jesus, we have now, not only do we observe Sabbath naturally, we have entered into our Sabbath, and now Jesus is our Sabbath. So by simply being a Christian, you are fulfilling the Sabbath, if you will. And so the reason the Jew has to keep doing it is because God knew they were going to reject their Messiah. They don't know their Messiah. It's going to be a sign, still a sign to them that God's not done. They've, they've not entered their rest yet. And so until they enter their rest, that is a sign between God and the Jewish nation to keep the Sabbath. So that's why we're not commanded to do that. Now, let me say this. First of all, let me finish on that, and then I'll, and I'll add some more to this. I want to give some good foundation here. Um, if you try to keep the Sabbath, um, first of all, you have to realize what it entails. And a lot of people that feel like the church should be keeping the Sabbath don't understand this. The Sabbath is not just every seventh day off. And by the way, the principle of the Sabbath is good. I think that every Christian should follow the principle of the Sabbath, and that is you need to take a day of rest and a day to honor God because your body needs it. I think it's a good principle to do. It's just not a law or something God requires. So it's something we should do for our health reasons. God knows that man needs rest. But the problem with a lot of people that want to say, well, we need to be observing the Sabbath if they don't know these scriptures that I just shared, is that it's much more than the seventh day off. It is not only the seventh day off. You take every seventh year off. And that is every seventh year, if you truly follow the biblical Sabbath, you you are not allowed to work. And that would mean as Christians, we should say, all right, every seventh year we have to quit our job. Take a full year off. Now, some of you might be saying, that sounds yeah. great. I'd love to do that. Some people are already that, doing that right. in today's society. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but you have to take a full year yeah. off and then get your job back when you're done, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not just taking the, the Saturdays, et cetera. It is literally a, a lifestyle that was a picture of a sign between God and the nation of Israel. And so they're still living that because God's trying to get them to enter into their rest because they've rejected their Messiah, even as we have already entered our rest. So now we've entered our Sabbath. So there is no more Sabbath law that's required for us as far as the Sabbath law goes. But now also on the Saturday issue, um, again, if you're a Jew, you do need to observe the Sabbath. I think that this, I believe the Sabbath law, Greg, is still for the Jew. God said it's a perpetual sign. Now, it's not for the Jew once they're saved. Right. Because now they're a Christian. But if you're a Jew and you don't know Jesus Christ, I do believe you're still under the, the obligation to observe the Sabbath. Well, I was going to say, if you've not accepted Jesus Christ, you're still under the law. Absolutely. So that means that means by virtue of what the Bible says or the Torah says to you as a Jewish person, That's right. you have to continue to try to attempt to fulfill the law, even though you can't. There's yeah. 600 and something laws on the books there yeah. uh, that... It's impossible to keep. Yeah, right. And and after we establish the first step there, uh, Veronica, the second one falls into place. The reason the church doesn't meet on Saturday, and it can, but the reason the church doesn't traditionally meet on Saturday is we're no longer under the Sabbath law. So now we can meet any day we want. And so what we know is, by the way, some churches do meet on Saturday. We meet on Saturday and Sunday because we have a Saturday night service, but we don't do it because of the Sabbath. That's just because we needed an extra service. Yeah. But the church, why does the church meet on Sunday? Again, we know historically the church began doing that at the very early beginnings of the church when 
when the church was born, we see in the New Testament that the church was meeting on the first day of the week, which is Sunday. And according to the the historical writings of that day, the reason the church started meeting on Sunday is because that's the day that Jesus resurrected from the dead. And so since he resurrected, it was a new beginning. Saturday was for the Jew, as God's trying to bring them to him, but they have not yet entered their rest. Sunday's for the Christian, because now we've entered our rest, and we've resurrected to a new life in Jesus Christ, and now we celebrate on Sundays, even as the early church did from the very beginning. So that's why. Now, is it okay to have church on Saturday? Absolutely. As Paul said, every day to me is alike. You can literally have church on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That's okay, because every day is the same. Paul said, let no one judge you based on any day that you worship God or you observe. He said, it's all free now in Christ, but I do believe we still have that connection to the Jews on the literal Sabbath. So I hope that answers your question. All right, Pastor Mark, our last question comes from Stephen. And Stephen says, I recently had a discussion with a person who is a post-trib rapture believer. He claimed that the appearance of Jesus in the air and the sound of the trumpet is part of the second coming, and therefore the rapture has to be after the tribulation. The church would meet Jesus in the air and immediately turn around and return with him. He also said that God would protect the church as he poured his wrath out on the world during the tribulation. Only after this conversation, I thought of 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. Would you say this is an appropriate refutation of the idea that God would allow his bride, the church, to go through the tribulation. Yeah, and as far as the, 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 the verse there out of Peter, he says, um, um, yeah, make, what does that making say? them an example of those who afterward would live ungodly and delivering the, and delivered righteous lot who oppressed the filthy. For that righteous man was delivered. So he says, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. So he's just saying God's preservation power. So okay. that doesn't really apply as much here. But yes, I do think there's an application there. I see what you're getting at, Stephen. But the larger picture here of this question is, is that Remember, whenever you're looking at Scripture, especially prophecy, you have to look at all of it. You can't look at any one verse and make some determination. The problem that your friend is, is falling into here is he's looking at one episode. Jesus appears in the air, and that and there's a trumpet. That means it must be at the very end, etc. Well, that doesn't. if that's all you had, then you could make that argument and say, well, that's my viewpoint of that. But we have so many other scriptures that point to something prior to that, that if you know all of the Bible and all of the scriptures that relate to the rapture throughout from the Old Testament through the New, it becomes very clear that indeed there is a rapture. And and so I, I would say he just needs a further understanding of all of the things. And, and also for you, Stephen, I would encourage you to get my book on the rapture, the wedding day of the Lord. You can order here from Calvary Chapel. I go through a very long, uh, well, a short booklet, but I cover all the issues from Old Testament, New Testament as to why everything would be a part of the rapture. Um, that would be a great resource for you to have so that you yourself can be solidified in it and then share with your friends but i'll give you just one right now for time's sake that shows that you, you can't just take one thing like that so, so those that say the rapture has to happen at the very end i mean it's not even logical you go up come right back down and all that but we don't base our belief on logic but let me say this the bible in daniel tells us the exact number of days it's going to be after the antichrist signs a treaty with the nation of israel he's going to sign a treaty with israel and the surrounding nations for peace in the region and the rebuilding of their third temple and the bible says when he signs that treaty it will be exactly 2520 days until the second coming all right now since he tells us the exact number of days when that's signed there is no way that the rapture can be on the last day why do i know that Because Jesus said, no one knows the day or the hour. 
And if we're here and that Antichrist signs that treaty, everyone will know the day and the hour of the Lord's return. So I would say it is the only day that's impossible. The only day that's absolutely impossible for the rapture to take place is the very last day because you can count the number of days and count down to it and it would defy the words of Jesus and nobody can defy the words of Jesus. So that would be probably the only day on the calendar that the Lord couldn't come back in the rapture of the church. Matter of fact, the mid-trib position is more likely than that one because you can count the exact day down and say, he's coming today. And Jesus said nobody would be able to do that. So that one argument completely just pulls the rug out from under anybody that would say the last day is when the Lord's coming back. But there are so many other things that we, we cover in the rapture book and that we talk about here on the show yeah. that deal with the rapture being beforehand. You know, again, we could do a whole study on that. We have from time to time, but I encourage you to get the, the booklet uh, so that you can have that as a resource. Uh, yeah, so for Stephen or anyone else that's interested in getting Pastor Mark's book, The Rapture, The Wedding Day of the Lord, you can just go to thewaymedia.net and click on store. And uh, you'll see his two books that are available there online for you to order. All right, let's see what we can get done here with what time remaining in our program for some pestilence, plagues, disasters, and corruption. It's our charcuterie board full of yuck. Uh, This is from Fox News. Left-wing activists harass conservative reading Bible, steal book, and rip it up. And the protester eats the pages. You know, that's what... And I was thinking about when when he when 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 they when the angel tells John to eat the scroll yes, yeah. and it tasted sweet and then yeah. it ended up bitter in his stomach. Yeah, so, it's kind anyway. of yeah interesting. But you know, Greg, this is what caught my attention. You know, we expect left wing we expect those who hate God to attack anything to do with the Bible. But we start seeing people eat the Bible. Now we're getting a little bit demonic here. The activists were protesting by a speech by conservative author Matt Walsh at a Wisconsin college campus. Leftist protesters were spotted outside uh, speaking. Uh, at the speaking event by a conservative commentator surrounding and shouting down a man reading the Bible before they snatched the Bible, ripped it up, and one protester ate the pages. Well, here's the bottom line. <laughs> you know, again, the Bible says we're to feast on God's word. That wasn't what he had in that mind. Was, yeah. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing. When you see this type of hatred, it's one thing to say, I don't want to hear the Bible. It's another thing to start destroying it. I think for me, Greg, a sign of the times here is just the increased hatred against God in the last days. People are getting bold in it, and they don't care, and it shows the heart is of heart. Very scary, yeah. but the Bible says that man's heart will be in the last days. The AP Network News is reporting on the World Health Organization, where they're saying tuberculosis cases are rising for the first time in years. Not really a surprise, No, is it's it? not. No. And here, look, their, their, their explanation here to me is, is I think, probably uh, knowingly uh, faltered, and I'll tell you why. Okay. The number of people infected with tuberculosis tuberculosis rose globally for the first time in years so it rose globally but they're looking at here also in the states the u.n health agency said more than 10 million people worldwide uh, sickened by tuberculosis uh, in 2021 450,000 cases infected with drug resistant tb um mr dr mel spiegelman president of the nonprofit tb alliance said more than a decade of progress was lost when covid19 emerged despite gains in areas like preventative therapy we're still behind in about every uh, pledge and goal regarding tb again they blamed it on covid19 i'm not saying that didn't have anything to do with it there may have been something with all the lockdowns the way it worked etc i get that uh it is global the bible says in the last days there'll be an increase in plagues we know that um but greg one of the things that we've watched happen here in recent years is is the mass immigration and again i this has nothing to do with being anti-immigration, has nothing to do with anything about the political issues people get involved in. However, 
in some of these third world countries, they have TB that's rampant. And when you start bringing all these masses of people into nations that don't have TB that's rampant, you're going to start seeing TB brought in. You're going to see more TB spread. And I would expect, I said years ago, when you saw the southern border open up, we can expect many more cases of TB in America, not as a, as a, a racial statement or something against anyone. It's a reality. They have more TB in Mexico. If we're letting them in, they're going to bring more TB in America. It's going to happen. So I think you have a combo of simple uh, immigration happening around the world and coming from places where TB is more prevalent. And you've also got the situation of the Bible said plagues will increase in the last days. Well, speaking of which, here's some more. Uh, this is from uh, the JewishPress.com. Cholera epidemic is spreading through Syria in Lebanon, carried by Civil War refugees. So, yeah. again, people migration. Yeah, and right in line with plagues as well. Yeah. According to the Syrian health authorities, as of Sunday, 46 people have died recently of cholera, uh, suggesting that so far 1,097 contracted the disease. Again, in all those places you mentioned, the BBC reported that in Lebanon at this point, a failed state unable to provide elementary services to citizens is looking for a wave of cases of cholera. So you have, um, again, immigration, you've got plagues increasing, you've got people unprepared for it, and again, it's exactly what we would expect in the last days, although it's heartbreaking. Yeah, and uh, this is kind of like, I guess, maybe church apostasy, maybe corruption, maybe a little bit of both. This is from the Times of Israel. Multi-faith leaders gather in Israel and around the world for a quote-unquote climate repentance. I'm so glad we got to this, Greg. This is the last thing, and I want to spend a moment on it because this is really, I'll I'll classify for you, this is blasphemy. Okay. This is not just uh, a mockery of God. It is like God's most sacred thing they're mocking. They they wanted to go to Mount Sinai, or what they believe is Mount Sinai, and rewrite the Ten Commandments. That God wrote. And they stated that. They were going there to rewrite the Ten Commandments. Rewrite like word for word or no, re- no, we're reimagine that we're going to make we're our own ten. We're making our own ten. Forget the others. Here's the new Ten Commandments. And they wanted to go to Sinai because that would make a statement. You know, this is where God spoke, and so now we're going to speak. It is blasphemy, but let me read a little bit of it and then read them to you. Religious leaders called to stop using fossil fuels at a UNCOP 27 climate conference at Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt, November 9, 2022. You had Jews, Muslims, Christians, Hindus, Buddhists from Egypt, Israel, U.S., India, Spain, and U.K., Plan to gather Sunday around the world to gather on global leaders to act for climate repentance and implement 10 climate principles. So they go to this, you know, again, they, they decided, Greg, that Egypt wouldn't they let them go They probably flew in on airplanes that uses fossil yeah, fuel, Yeah, maybe. Right? Well, Egypt wouldn't let them go there. Egypt said they couldn't secure them, so it wasn't safe. So they decided to do it instead in Jerusalem, London, and in Sharm el-Sheikh in Egypt, different locations. And these world leaders, not world leaders, these, these spiritual leaders around the world, a bunch of other people got together and said, these are our new to save the planet. It's basically worship of the planet. Forget God's Ten Commandments and worship of God. Let's do our own Ten Commandments and worship the planet. It is the voice of Satan speak, speaking through these people. And, and here's the Ten Principles. You see the same <laughs> spirit of the Antichrist here. Number one, we're stewards of this world. Number two, creation manifests divinity. That is, we're to worship the earth. Mm. Number three, everything in life is interconnected. So it's kind of a, a Hinduism feel here, you sure. know, oneness. Number four, Four, do no harm. Five, look after tomorrow. Uh, that's, you know, what's going to happen next. Sure. Six, rise above ego for our world. Seven, change our inner climate, whatever the world that means. Uh, eight, <laughs> repent and return. Repent and return to what is what I wonder. Yeah. Nine, every action matters. And ten, use mind, open heart. Um, you know, and I would say number 11, fall on your knees and beg for forgiveness. You know, if I could give an 11th for you climate changer guys. Uh, the bottom line is... We talked earlier about the lack of fear of God and the arrogance right in God's face. Greg, this is such a lack of the fear of God. To even be so bold, you think you're going to go to Mount Sinai and rewrite the Ten Commandments that were written by the finger of God, and they were to point people to God and His righteousness, and this is to point people to the planet and their own feelings. You talk about blasphemy, but again, remember, in the last days, 
It'll be like the days of Noah. And so we see it happening. Don't be shocked by it, but be aware of it. And that's why more than ever, we need Jesus Christ. So church, stay faithful to the Lord. And for those of you that are listening, maybe there's listeners I know that don't know the Lord right now. You're listening. Jesus Christ right now is ready to receive you. And, And all you have to do again is come to him. If you see the signs of the times, come to him and confess you're a sinner. Tell him you believe he died for you on the cross. Turn from your sins. Don't repent of, of, of climate abuses. Repent of your sin and run to Jesus. And the Bible says you can go to the original commandments and live forever in the kingdom of God. And so that would be the God's heart that you would turn to him and his word and not these crazy things the world has you turning to. But again, exactly what we would expect in the last days. But Jesus is always there with his arms wide open, ready to receive any and all that will come to him. Yes, he is. Pastor Mark, thank you. And Glad to have you back. And Great folks, to be back. Don't forget the waymedia.net for everything related to our show and other content that we provide that's available to you 24 hours a day. There is no reason why you cannot worship the Lord and get fed His Word when you go to the waymedia.net. And we hope you'll come back next Friday, or not next Friday, in two weeks, actually. We'll be back to continue to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today are pointing to God's prophetic word is signs of the times. Have a great Thanksgiving, and we'll see you back here in two weeks. Follow.